everybody, and welcome to Not Another Wellness Podcast. This is Natalie Dellinger. I'm your host, and this podcast is on a mission to destigmatize wellness one episode at a time. Because no, you don't need a dry brush, a jade roller, or a collection of crystals to be healthy. <laughs> Health and wellness is really about tuning inward, following the things that light you up in this world, and honoring what makes you you. My name is Natalie Dellinger, and this podcast covers self-care, entrepreneurship, authenticity, nutrition, spirituality, healing, movement, and so much more. Thanks for being a listener today. So one day I was at work and I was browsing through Spotify podcasts looking for a new show to listen to. I was searching things like body positivity, wellness, health, relationships, etc. And I came across the Love Your Bod Pod. It was hosted by Kara Curran Zafeli, who is today's guest and also a certified holistic health coach who helps humans feel confident around food and confident in their bodies. Through education, positive psychology, neuroscience, intuitive development, and major realness, Kara offers her clients a personal and integrative experience that allows them to connect deeply to the woven-in wisdom of their bodies. So healthy eating and healthy living is fun and easy, not full of guilt, not full of stress, not full of shame. Through her private mentorship, online courses, podcasts, and Instagram, and blog, and newsletter, (laughs) Kara is inspiring others to live fully self-expressed, free from society's expectations of their bodies and their lives, and has been even featured in Mind Body Green, Recovery Warriors, The Elephant Journey, and The Feed Feed. And she's also an author of the book Body Wisdom that's now available on Amazon. So I found her podcast, The Love Your Bod Pod, and I started reading through the names of her episodes and realized that this was a topic that I had to cover. Hi, my name is Natalie, and like many people on this planet, I've struggled with my relationship with food. In college, I had periods of serious food restriction and then longer periods of binging and purging. I was bulimic. This lasted a few years, and I'm five years into my recovery. To admit that I had an eating disorder is a challenge. It doesn't define me. It doesn't define you. It doesn't mean I'm weak. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're better or I'm worse. It just means that I struggled in my younger years to love my body, to listen to my body, and to nourish my body. It's been a long journey towards recovery, and I can honestly say that starting this podcast and leaning into what lights me up, learning to hear my inner voice and tune in, has helped me remarkably. I'm not a doctor, but the piece of advice that I want to share is to work on finding what feels good for you, finding what you're passionate about. And That was truly the most helpful step for me. Being myself and then allowing myself to be myself was my first step. I think it's helpful on the path to recovery or not to lean into what lights you up. And that's why I do this podcast. That's why I follow health and wellness. And that's why I am sharing this today. I want to say that if you're suffering from an eating disorder or are currently recovering from an eating disorder please know that you're not alone and you're not stuck this way. I know for me at least that talking about disordered eating can be triggering and I totally understand. And the best part is Kara, today's guest, she totally understands. She struggled with an eating disorder as well and she shares her story on the show today. 
And we don't share our stories to do anything other than encourage authenticity and openness. And I'm so grateful for Kara. I'm so grateful for finding her, hearing her story, and helping me come out of my shell and admitting that this is something that I have dealt with before. The last thing I want to say before we dive into this episode is that you have to realize that this is a pretty common issue for men and women, and it's sad, and it's hard to understand if you haven't dealt with it yourself, just like anything, right? But with empathy, I think we all can be a little bit careful with how we talk about food to ourselves, to other people in front of children. And this is something that Kara passionately addresses on her podcast. And I really suggest if you're interested in this topic, diving into the Love Your Bod pod because she has some really important things to say about what diet culture does to our society and our humans. Without further ado, Kara, Corinne, Safeli, you are an angel. I truly believe I found your Instagram for for my personal healing, and I hope and know that you will inspire and encourage others to heal themselves too. Thank you so much for being on the show, and here we go with the episode. Um, wait, actually, I really love that you guys have been actually going to iTunes and leaving me a review so much that I really wanted to read one that just came in. This was from like three days ago, and it says, Exceptional Wellness content. I swear it actually says this. You can check yourself. (laughs) I've been listening to Not Another Wellness podcast for a few months now and love the subjects Natalie covers as well as the people she brings on. In particular, I'm pushing for more of my guy friends to tune in. Hey guys. In this day and age, it's important for men with female partners to understand the full health spectrum, constituting not only their own health, but the health and wellness of their partner. And I feel more informed and better able to support mine for being a listener. Thank you. Ah, oh my God. Thank you so much. Whoever you are, this truly, truly made my day. I sent it right to my boyfriend and like wanted to cry. This is just the biggest compliment. So thank you so much for doing this. And if you are enjoying the show too, head over to iTunes and leave a rating interview so people can find it and know that it's worth listening to. Obviously love you guys. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Today, I have Kara Corinne Safeli. She's the host of the Love Your Body, Your Bod Pod, excuse me, um, and also a certified holistic health coach who helps humans feel confident around food and their bodies. Kara, so nice to have you on the show. Yes. Natalie, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. I can't wait to dive in. So much to talk about. And just to start us off, I'd love to ask you the question I ask all my guests, which is what lights you up in this world? Mm, so many things, but some of my longtime faves are a really sunny, beautiful day in California when I'm like outside or driving with 
the windows down playing music that just like, I love where I live in Los Angeles. And so that like, I just feel so grateful to be here um, and to live here. And, and that really lights me up and um, gosh, a really great piece of avocado toast. <laughs> and, <laughs> I Very basic. Um, and I would say like right now, just like working with my, my coaching clients, my health coaching clients, it's like the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life. And I, I love it so much. So those awesome. are a few things. And talking awesome. with amazing people online, like yourself. I love yeah. it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. It's so cool that we can like kind of find this little community and just have, just like literally start this podcast and just click like on so many levels. It's pretty awesome. Would love to just like hear a little backstory. Like how did you get to where you are today helping women connect to their bodies? Well, big question. Go wherever you want to go with that. But excited to hear more, a little bit more of your background. Mm, yes. So, I mean, the, the origins of it all are my 10-year battle with an eating disorder. So I, I feel like I tossed all over the coin, like being extremely restrictive and, and kind of leaning towards like anorexic behaviors and then, you know, falling into binge eating and, and bulimia. And eventually that hit ahead, like that really interfered with every single area of my life. And it was incredibly painful and incredibly overwhelming, but it was essentially what created the path for me to be where I am now. Um, I started to work towards recovery and healing. And the large part of that process was actually learning more about like the food industry and health and nutrition outside of the context of weight loss, uh, mm -hmm. like removing the weight loss piece and really actually focusing on holistic health and teaching myself how to cook and really enjoying that process of creating a meal and, and like photographing my food as a form of creative self-expression. And eventually like I opened up a restaurant and I worked, you know, I created food for all types of people and I had an open kitchen. And so people would be talking to me about health and nutrition and asking all these questions. And, and then eventually I was really unfulfilled. So I sold the restaurant and went back to school and became a health coach. And, um, started my business a little over a year ago. And I, I help uh, men and women heal their relationships with food and, and transform their relationships with their body so that eating is like easy and fun. And that's the Cliff Notes version of what got me to where I am. <laughs> wow, that's cool. I didn't realize you also worked with men. And that's like a whole, like, I mean, I guess coming from my perspective, it's so much easier for me to understand like, the women's side of struggles with like food and body image. Um, but it's so important to also highlight that like, just does not only uh, affect men. Um, and like, like you said, like tying food to weight loss is just like the way it is. <laughs> it just feels like people are, can't separate the two easily in, in this culture anyway. Yeah. I think it's absolutely a result of like cultural programming. Like we really have this dominant narrative that like uh, pursuing health actually means pursuing weight loss. That's kind of what we're taught. And, um, I think that that is not the case at all. I actually think that pursuing weight loss is pursuing weight loss and pursuing health is pursuing health. And they're two different pursuits and compounding them together, I think actually makes it really difficult for us to maintain, uh, 
a healthy relationship with food and to have something that's sustainable and flexible and works in all areas of life. Because when we're just pursuing weight loss, what happens when we go to a birthday party and there's birthday cake, right? Or what happens around the holidays? It's like you're surrounded by these foods that like, quote, don't work for weight loss or won't fit in your diet. And it really interferes with the quality of your life. And so um, I think that like, if we broaden the perspective of health and we don't look at it just as physical health and the size of your body, but we actually look at it as something that includes mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, our pursuit of health shifts massively, you know? Totally. And there's so much packed in there. And to start like diving into that, I think it'd be interesting to hear like what you remember from the beginning stages of say developing and not so positive relationship to food, like, and like the factors that the external factors that you kind of experience as a human being in this world, um, regarding body image, do you, can you recall like back to those earlier days of like what kind of led to that in your opinion? Yeah, of course. It's, it's so vivid and present in my mind. Um, cause it's a huge part of, of like my daily narrative now. And so much of like, the, the content that I share to help the, the other men and women, all humans really that I want to help comes from my personal story. So the big first, like sort of dot in that, um, it started at home. I had lots of women in my family and they all were dieting and they all were complaining about their cellulite and like how big their thighs were and and the usual thing like we had slim fast and like weight watchers and then you combine that reality with being exposed to like media and magazines i was really into fashion and modeling and models and i loved teen vogue and us weekly and i loved e news and like america's next top model and it i started to become conscious of my body around the age 14 or 15. And it was when Lindsay Lohan and Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and like Nicole Richie were all over the news for their eating disorders. And I know you're a little bit younger than me, but do you recall that time? I recall all those shows. Absolutely. And like the Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, um, like show, whatever that was called. And like definitely looking up to those people, but like totally not understanding like the pressures they were going through as like early phase, like celebrity. I feel like that was sort of towards the beginning of like our celebrity craze of like pop stars. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and at this time they were all in the news for like being incredibly thin Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Mary Kate Olsen had anorexia and it was plastered all over magazines and it was incredibly glamorized. It was just glamorized. And I was like, oh yeah, I need to be really thin. And at the same time that this happened, I I was reading magazines that would like make fun of women for having cellulite. So like they'd be the covers of the magazines where they would like circle the different body parts of like women on the beach and like zoom in on their cellulite. And oh I was like, God. oh my God, if I have cellulite, like my life is going to end. And so I would like, so I remember the very first time I ever went into the bathroom and like stripped off my pants and like butt towards the mirror and was like inspecting to see if I had any. And I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I can't let, I can't get cellulite. And so that's, that that started the chain reaction. So in combination with like growing up around women that were dieting and the pressures in the media to be skinny and thin and pretty, and also the glamorization of like anorexia, because I really felt like it was glamorized. Um, 
by the magazines. And so I just stopped, I like, you know, started removing foods and being really self-conscious with my body. And I was incredibly insecure as well, just growing up in school. And, you know, I had, I wasn't, you know, one of the popular girls and all of the pressures that we feel when we're, when we're growing up and we're coming of age, you know, those are like really challenging years for, for most of us. And in addition to that, my parents were going through a really agrimonious divorce. And so my home life was incredibly stressful and it just compounded. And eventually like my eating disorder became a coping mechanism. So I would use it to try to like fit in with society and to be well-liked and to be loved, right? Like I thought if I was just thin and pretty, people would love me and accept me and I'd have friends. Mm -hmm. But then I also would turn to food to not deal with all of the other instabilities that I felt were happening within my family. And that's kind of when like the binge eating started to happen. So like post years of restriction, I started to turn to binge eating and bulimia. And it was a way to just, I can see it now. I didn't really see it at the time, but it was such a coping mechanism. Like I would just numb out and check out and like plan out my binges and like lock myself in my room and like not deal with life. But I would eat like all of my like off limits foods. And, um, eventually that coping mechanism, the the eating disorder became ineffective and it was actually causing more pain than it was helping me heal from and like check out from. And that was kind of the wake up call where I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't keep living like this. I'm sick of trying. I'm sick of pursuing thinness. I'm sick of hating my body. I'm sick of hating myself. Like I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I was thinking about food all day long and I had a career in fashion at the time. So I was uh, a women's contemporary fashion buyer. So my job was to like stare at magazines and like figure out the next trends and figure out what we were going to buy at fashion week. And I just, that career was like fueling the body dissatisfaction. And so like, I got to this breaking point where I like quit my job, like quit that career. And you like went and took an entry level job at a, at a law firm and focused on healing. And um, just finding respect for myself and love for myself and appreciation for myself. Cause I really got like how much of that eating disorder was just a reflection of my not enoughness, my sense of not enoughness and not feeling worthy. Um, and how much of it, how much it was an escape for me for the other areas of my life. And so it was like, I had to deal with the food, but then I also had to deal with how I related to life. Like my relationship with food was like a reflection to my relationship with life. And it was just a mess, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many, all the fields, like I'm just picturing you and, and so many other girls and women and men who just have that, that feeling. And it's like, it's so hard to escape that pressure. And especially like you said, when you're growing up and we're like going through puberty and we're changing and we don't necessarily know at all who we are, most of us. And then we're just being told these messages everywhere you look. And it's so, it's so challenging to, you know, be removed from that. I think when you're so impressionable anyway, it's so great that this is something you can share because I Mm -hmm. think it is so important for people to hear like how common and how okay it is to find yourself in a situation where you don't have the tools to overcome, you know, and it takes so much to heal from something like this. And I, so fast forward to, okay, you said mentioned like 10 years of your life where this was sort of like the pattern of 
kind of how you were handling life essentially like that numbing feeling and and just like not feeling happy with who you were mm. what do you think was the catalyst to kind of bring you back towards like this mind body connection that you talk about now mm. oh my gosh it was such a process um and there's so many different like lily pads and and like different dots that connect that have led me to where i am now really really understanding the mind-body connection and really understanding how all of us are so individually unique and what works for for my body is going to be different than what works for your body. There are so many little points in my journey. Um, Like the first one was just the day that I decided I wanted to get better, you know, because there was no way that I, I can have this relationship with food and this awareness with health and nutrition had I not recovered. Sure. Um, for my eating disorder. So like, I remember very distinctly the day that I was like, all right, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better. Because when you're dealing with a disordered relationship with food, it's like all you think about, you know, it's very consuming and distracting. And, and to your previous point, um, there's so much pressure on women, right. To be, to be thin and beautiful. Like we're kind of taught that a woman's beauty is more important than the woman herself. I kind of think that that's the message that we get. Totally. Yeah. Um, And so I am always impressed when women grow up in this world and don't develop eating disorders, you know, um, as awful as it is to say. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, just, it's the way we talk to little girls. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, look at your eye. Look at your hair. You're so cute. Look at that dress. You're so pretty. And it, that's like the only message I think is sent for, you know, by most of, of the people we're interacting with growing up. Yeah. And it's, it's compounded by the way doctors and quote experts will talk about weight. You know, we treat weight gain and obesity, like it's the devil in a death sentence. And, and, I don't, I don't think we'll necessarily need to go down the rabbit hole with all of like the science and statistics to counteract that. But we live in a society that's very fat phobic. And then you hear like fat phobic comments or negative comments about gaining weight in like Disney movies, like mm-hmm. in like pretty much any stand up comedy show, there's going to be some fat joke, you know? So it's like, not only do women have incredible pressures to be thin and beautiful, and it's what we're most commented on, uh, we then are living in a world that has a very specific way of talking about weight and weight gain. And so it's just like a cesspool for eating disorders and body dissatisfaction. Not exactly answering your question. Um, (laughs) I think I cut you off there. So to be fair, I chimed in and changed the course. But yeah, just like those, like, I love that you said lily pads and like there was these little steps that you took and um, yeah, that, that part, I think it would be really interesting to hear. Like what helped you? Okay. Yeah. So the very first, like, so the day that I made that decision, huge. And then after that, I started to read about healthy nutrition outside of weight loss. So I picked up uh, the China study by Colin T. Campbell and I read Spectrum and I can't remember the doctor, but it was like a a book about veganism. And then I watched like Food Inc., And that turned me on to Michael Pollan. And I read like all of Michael Pollan's New York Times articles and all of his book um, books. And then all of the like food documentaries that came out on Netflix. And one of the things that really propelled my eating disorder recovery was actually discovering the wellness industry, so to speak, and discovering um, 
what actually went on behind the scenes of the supermarket shelves. So learning about Monsanto and learning about crop subsidies and the government's involvement in food regulation and these large corporations that were affecting policy, which then affected food pricing and availability. And I, I discovered, you know, for a lack, just, I discovered the corruption for like, just to keep it short and sweet for lack of a better word, but the corruption in the food industry. Mm. And I became like enraged by it, like so angry. And I was upset about the implications animal agriculture was having on the environment and on our water supply. And I discovered like, you know, more about processed foods than I had ever really known about. And I wanted to eat in a way that honored my values and beliefs about everything that I was learning. And so why that was so important is it actually made food not about me and it made food not about my body size, but it made it about being an activist for the changes I wanted to see within the world. And in, and it inspired me to shop at farmer's markets. And it made it so that I was like, gosh, I don't actually really want to eat at fast food restaurants because I don't want to support all of the stuff behind the scenes. This has nothing to do with like my personal health and my body size. It was about these larger industries that I felt like were not doing good work in yeah, the world. Yeah, like not working for the people. Like they were just out to make a buck and it was no, they were just like just stripping the nutritional value I can relate because I, I just remember these courses too, like learning about this and being like, wait, they actually don't care about humans. Like mm. they're just trying to make a product cheap. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about the outcome. They don't care about 10 years down the road and any problems that could cause. But yeah, it's like they were just really out there to make money. And, and like, that was the only end goal, it seems. Yeah. I mean, it's so nuanced and it's so complicated. And I I definitely have my perspective around the whole industry has shifted now. Like I have a different perspective and a different conversation around processed food and all of the industries. And I still have a lot of passion and I still think there's a lot of validity to all of the things that I had just said and what you had shared. And part of the reason why I've softened to it is because I, I am present to how the conversations around health and nutrition and food and like clean foods, clean eating and like good versus bad foods and like processed versus unprocessed and like the war against sugar and sugar being the devil. Like I'm aware of how, how those conversations can affect people who are struggling with eating disorders. And so I've shifted the way that I've talked about food and nutrition and health and wellness because there's a new eating disorder called orthorexia. Are you familiar with that? Yes, definitely. So I've kind of, I've softened into, into that world because I don't want to contribute to the development of orthorexia. Sure. Which just to break down like orthorexia and, and definitely chime in is like, is just like this obsession with like what is healthy and, and to a point of, of not health unhealthiness essentially. Yeah. It's an obsession with like purity and quality and like cleanliness of the food. And you, and you pay attention. There's literally not like almost every food out there is demonized by someone Mm -hmm. and like some expert, right? So you have whole industries of people demonizing animal-based products. And then you have, you know, Dr. Gundry, who's like demonizing lectins and plant-based foods, right? With his plant paradox book. And then you have people demonizing white flour and gluten and like, 
fat and processed foods and sugar. And what ends up happening is like, oh my God, nothing is safe to eat. Ah, interesting. And so then it's like, they have nothing left to eat. They're scared shitless to like eat something that might not be clean enough. And it's actually an eating disorder and it's causing stress and anxiety and fear when, when originally the goal was just to be healthy and to nourish the body. And it gets taken too far because of healthism and nutritionalism and this in you know, this new conversation that wellness has created, right? Like, I think there's amazing things about wellness and I've been able to see another side of it that I wasn't present to during my own recovery. But I have to acknowledge the fact that like the wellness industry and learning about foods outside of the context of weight loss was profoundly influential in my healing um, and particularly plant-based diets because they said that carbs were okay to eat and that carbs were good for you and like carbs were healthy and carbs were my biggest fear food. And so all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can eat these things. And it, it was like the mind blowing emoji for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Cause I just was like, oh, oh, okay. I don't have, I can eat the, I can eat a sweet potato and like not throw it up. Wow. Okay. Okay. And like that, that nourished me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. So so that's a huge lily pad, massively. And then the the like, there's a few more in between, but then the big shift was when I when I um, picked up the book Health at Every Size, uh, right when I was like, well, actually, prior to picking up Health at Every Size, I when I started my health coaching business, I started working with like real foods and weight loss, which is what everyone wanted, and I started teaching clients how to cook and like supporting them with changing their diet. And what I discovered with all of my first clients was that all of them had disordered eating tendencies, all of them, Mm. and not just young girls, like grown ass men in their fifties that would hire me. And I was like, they all have food fear. They all have fear. They have like food phobias. They have fat phobia. I'm witnessing the restrict binge cycle in them. I am listening to all of them have negative body image talk. And I was like, Oh my God, like people I never thought would deal with this stuff or dealing with it. And it was like a, it was like a, whoa, wow. Yeah. People do not need my help teaching them how to eat whole foods. They need me to help them heal their relationship with food so that food isn't an issue anymore. Yes. And that was the, the final big switch where I was like, wow, I want to be a health coach, but I can't do like real food and weight loss health coaching anymore. I, and then I picked up the book at Health at Every Size and that blew my mind. And I was like, oh yeah, this is what my life's about now. You know, wow. I came full circle, you know? That's, in, that's incredible. And I don't know if this is a fair game to ask, but I'm, I'm wondering just from my own struggles with food is, so I'm wondering like, how did it feel to start? You've recently just, you know, kind of been working through your own issues and then to kind of realize that, the problem is so much bigger. And was that triggering for you at all? Or was it kind of more of like empowering? Oh, great question. So I, when I first started coaching with people, I, I felt like I was already recovered and healed. So I had like three or four years from, uh, when I feel like I had reached a point in my recovery where like food wasn't a problem and body image wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. And then I, I spent like another couple of years doing other things, like working in a corporate job, having the restaurant. And then by the time I started working with people, health coaching, I was like years into my own recovery journey. So it wasn't really triggering for me. It was, it was something that I was actually able to observe and see what was actually happening. And understand, like empathize in a way, but you're so far removed enough. Like it wasn't right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was, I wasn't affected and it wasn't triggering because I was so far along in my own journey and so grounded with myself and my relationship with food. So I was just able to see where they were getting tripped up and actually able to see like that they were stuck in the diet binge cycle, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was wondering is, is like, cause I think I totally agree with what you're saying. Like the wellness industry and the way that it can support like food for fuel and like what is going to feel good and nourish your body and not eliminating anything like that sort of moderation and in, in a very like positive way, like not putting too much weight on any one food group, et cetera. I found that like really inspiring to me too. And hearing you say that just kind of reminded me, um, you know, like watching people eat real food, all different kinds of food and, and, in a way that worked for them and just like encouraging that kind of relationship to food too. Like, Oh, look, like, you know, this doesn't work for me. It might work for you. Like just that very flexible type of uh, mentality, I guess, as opposed mm-hmm. to restriction and how powerful it was to see people starting to share that they had overcome this um, and just like little tips. And I just think it's so cool now that you in your position are like, I can see and understand and empathize. And I can use that to really like, truly, like, I think empathy is at the root of just like human connection in general. And just being able to be in that position um, is a really great starting point to having someone really like trust in you and what you have, you know, what you can kind of point them in the right direction towards, I guess. I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm rambling, but. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you. And yeah, empathy is massive. And I don't think that I would be able to help people struggling with food had I not gone through it myself. Sure. Because I I actually think because I've talked to people who have never had eating disorders and I've, I've talked, I have, I've had so many clients who have mentioned talking to people in their family who have never really struggled with disordered eating and eating disorders. And it's really hard to understand. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to, to relate to how they're relating to food if you've never dealt with it. And so I, one, I don't think I would have an interest in working in this space had I not gone through my own struggles. And then two, I don't think I'd be effective at helping transform, helping others transform their relationships with food without that, that ability to, to empathize and to relate and to just like get it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you shared like just that timeline. I was just curious to kind of here, like, yeah, anyway, but so some of the things I've heard you talk about that really struck a chord with me um, is this idea that, you know, health and wellness, that intuition you have of what works and what's right for you is already there. And it's not something you have to go far out of your own, you know, your body to tap into. And I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So body wisdom is what I call it. And Um, that term is widely used. I don't own that term by any means, but, or that phrase, but I I love it. And essentially like diet culture teaches us that someone outside of us knows better than ourselves and knows better than our bodies. So instead of like listening to our body to guide us on what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat, 
we're listening to some outside source, right? So someone will say carbs are bad, so we eliminate carbs, right? Someone will say fat is bad, so we eliminate fat. Someone says, you know, to intermittent fast and only eat between these hours of the day, right? And so then we start listening to all of these different people outside of ourselves. And as a result, the connection to our body, right? So that internal information system that speaks to us about like what we need and what's going on and when and all of those things, it it gets clogged up by all of the stuff outside of us. And so what I mean by like body wisdom is like reconnecting to that, to the information system within your body. Because all of us popped out of the womb being like really connected to what we need and what works for us and being really connected to our hunger and fullness signals. And because everybody is so unique, there's so much bio-individuality it's really hard to pay attention to a bunch of the experts outside of you because none of them are in your body. Like ultimately your body is going to be the best consultant in the room because it's unique and you're the only one in it. Right. And it's the one communicating directly with you. And I think that when we connect to our body and we start paying attention to the signals that it sends us eating, healthy eating and healthy living is really, really easy. And I compare like our relationship with food and move, not movement, but our relationship with food and like hunger and fullness to our other biological instincts. So there's a lot more to food than just like the, than uh, like fuel. Uh, But if we'll put that emotional component to the side for just a second, our need for food is a biological instinct. Like we're human animals. So just like we need to pee, just like we need to breathe, just like we need to sleep, uh, we need to eat. These are all like biological instincts that are that we need to do so that we can stay alive. So like when we have to pee, our body will send us a signal, right? And we'll feel the sensation that we need to go to the bathroom. When we're tired, we'll start to feel whatever sensations we feel when we're tired, right? Like heavy eyelids, we start to yawn, maybe we get brain fog or a headache or whatever, right? That's our body communicating to us that like it needs to sleep. And then like same thing with hunger and fullness. Like when we're hungry, our body's going to send us sensations. We're going to feel it in our stomach. And it's also going to send us cravings for certain types of foods. And then when we eat foods, we're going to feel a certain way based on what we put in our body, right? So when we have a piece of birthday cake, we might, you know, get a spike in blood sugar and, and, um, have a spike in energy and then kind of crash, right? But it might taste amazing and we might really enjoy it. But the way that we feel after we eat the cake is just more information from our body, just like our body sending those signals of we're tired. And then when we eat foods that are more nutrient dense and we have a bunch of like energy and we're clear headed and we can like go back to work and like work through the three o'clock quote slump, right? Like that's information from our body. And so if we start to pay attention to how we feel after we eat certain things, we start to pay attention to our cravings, we can actually figure out the right way of eating for our body because it's going to be unique. So how do you recommend people start to tune in? Like would writing down like what you ate and how you felt, would that be a, a good way to start? Hmm. I mean, if you feel called to do that, you know, like if you feel called to yeah. kind of keep a food journal, of course. I also think it's just something that you could just pay attention to after mealtime. Sure. You know, be yeah. like, I, I had tacos and I'm feeling this way. I had a salad. I'm feeling this way. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I like, I have this like obsession with pretzels. It's actually like a childhood comfort from like growing up. Cause that's like the snack we always had. But when I eat pretzels, I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible every time. And it's like, I don't know why I know that way. I know that's how I feel every time, but I still crave them as like that comfort. 
And it's like disassociating that. It's like, what's actually more important? Well, I don't want to feel tired and foggy. And it's, it's, it's so simple, right? But it's so funny how we have this like weird attachment to food for like the wrong reason. Mm. It's not actually making us feel better. Well, that's kind of where I would, I would, I would want to interject and bring in that emotional component that I said that we would just push to the side temporarily. Because like, if you gain pleasure and joy and satisfaction from eating pretzels, that's actually really, really important. Mm, interesting. Because food is not just fuel. Like we're not eight gallon Priuses. Food will <laughs> never just be fuel ever because we gain pleasure from eating it. Right. And satisfaction is a huge, like being full is not the same as being satisfied. Right. And so enjoying food and gaining pleasure from food is incredibly important. And also food plays a role in our community, in our relationships and uh, birthday cake, wedding cake, right? Like Thanksgiving, like food is an integral part of, of human connection and the human experience. It's not just fuel. And so I think that if you enjoy pretzels and you get pleasure from them, that's awesome. Just take into consideration that when you do eat them, you're a little sluggish. So maybe you don't want to go take a test right after eating a bunch of pretzels. Yeah, but that's fair. If you're feeling on the couch, well, like who cares? Yeah, good point. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the biggest touche. I love it. No, okay. truly. And, and like what you're saying too is like it's extra work to look to others and like diets and like what people other than you are saying uh, to – like, like that's more work than just a lot, like feel, feeling it yourself. It's like that lack of connection is like just more tiring. Well, um, yes. And it's why we go from one wellness fad to wellness fad, from one lifestyle to one lifestyle, from one diet to diet, right? Like we all did low fat in the eighties and then we all did low carb and then we all did paleo and then we all did bulletproof and then we all did keto, you know? And it's like, yeah. we all did weight watchers. We all did whole 30. And it's like, we're just jumping from like fad to fad to fad and there's, I'm like, it's not that there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that, but you could just tune in and figure out what way of eating works best for you and your body and forget about what everyone says outside of you. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. And you know what I'm picturing too? Like you're saying, like, know when you're full and that kind of thing, like little kids before, I think, you know, just like I was thinking about little kids eating and like they stop when they're full, you know, yeah. they sort of like don't have all that extra association to food they're not hungry then they don't eat they don't want broccoli they don't eat it like they're very they're the original intuitive eaters right yes. so like when a baby's hungry it cries when it's full it pushes the boob away it's right. simple. it's just they're, that they're really connected to their biological instincts diet culture messes it all up that's fascinating yeah yeah I mean that make that makes so much sense I never thought about um you know like being born already with that knowledge Yeah. We're just coming home to ourselves, right? Like we're peeling Mm. off all of the layers and all of the experts and all of the, we're peeling off all of that stuff, right? We're pulling out all of that gunk and what's left is our body's wisdom and our body's intuition Mm. and that internal information system. You know, I love that. Yeah. That's like such a take home. (laughs) It just, it's so simple when you really think about it. It's like, take away all those external pressures and like tune into yourself and find what works for you. And that's a very repetitive statement, like find what works for you. But it is so important to get that wrapped around your head. And like, I mean, I'm saying this for myself too, but I hear that all the time. Like, well, you know, if this doesn't work for you, that's okay. And if you really like this, that's okay. And it is so true. (laughs) Like, it is just like, that's it. Like, you don't have to be following anything at all. Like, it's just what 
makes you feel good and like happy and confident and focused when you want to be focused and indulgent when you want to be indulgent. But like, just like, it just seems like such a more simple way to live. Um, it just, it's sad that we're so far removed from it now. Mm. Yeah. I, I really personally can relate to how complicated it can be to be like trying to follow all of these diets and all of these prescribed ways of eating. Like I'm, I've spent so many years doing that and I, I imagine you can relate as well. And all I can say is that like, it doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to take a lot of thought and you can eat in a way that makes you feel incredibly well and also eat all of the foods that you love and never have any problem going out to restaurants and never have any problem going to social events or weddings or any of those things. Like you can find a way to eat that allows you to live your life and and food can, can be simple. Eating can be easy, you know, nourishing your body. I actually truly believe that it's not complicated. Yeah. We've just had a bunch of companies and corporations make it complicated so they can like sell a shit. Totally. It just feels complicated based on external influences that are so powerful. Um, I'll never forget the first time I looked at other, I looked at my body in a different way. And it was in college, actually, like way later than most girls that I think I knew, I knew a ton of people struggling with this and never really had much thought about food until college. And until like a fragile kind of phase in my life or like a breakup. And I started looking around and being like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I don't, maybe I should be eating less. Like that was Mm -hmm. like my first thought, like maybe I don't need to eat as much as I do. Um, cause like, I'm noticing this girl over here and she's eating way, way less than me. And it was like, out of nowhere, all that cumulative effect of things was like the tipping point for me. And I was also new in the school and wanting to fit in. And I think that's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad, um, compound too. like going through a lot, like a breakup, wanting to fit in. And then all of a sudden all that accumulation of like all those magazines and TV shows. And I remember that first thought and I remember how powerful it, it became and how mm-hmm. it kind of manifested. And then it was like, food is all I think about now and how little can I eat today? And it was just, it totally flipped. And, um, I remember feeling so alone in that and so worried that someone's going to know that, you know, I was obsessing over what I was eating like that and a, a phase of restriction and then a phase of binging and purging. And I just remember feeling like I was always going to get found out. Like someone was mm-hmm. going to see me, I was going to have to own this. And I didn't want to face that reality of, of being caught essentially with this like secret behavior behind closed doors. Um, and I remember like living in a girl, a ha- college house with a bunch of girls and being like, they can never find out. And it just ruined my connection with people. And I started realizing like, I can't run around with this big secret. Like how, how can I build this up? Like, how can I dig into this? How can I find out how I can stop? And I, for me, it was like a counselor, a college, like, and then just eventually, I don't even really know what it was, but I think you nailed it on the head when it said um, that wellness culture, the positive aspect of it was like, I'm going to eat real foods that make me feel good. Like, what is that? I'm not going to be afraid of any one thing. Like, I'm just going to slightly indulge here and there and not feel bad about it and taking away the shame of that. And eventually, like I found myself a couple years later being like, wow, like I haven't thrown up in a while. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, but I'm still obsessing over food, but 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 I've stopped this one very harmful behavior that like, I really didn't like that was happening. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want this to be a part of my identity and somehow managed to separate that part first. I think really when I started doing CrossFit where the body positivity started changing, I don't do CrossFit anymore, but I was teetering and went fitness, like going too far, kind of not, you know, 
battling between like body image that way, but that body positivity that came from being strong as opposed to being thin was huge. Mm. Instead of looking at myself, like wanting to look like a stick figure, I was like, wait, you know, I want to be able to do pull-ups and um, different kind of like obsession in a way. Like it could easily have turned into like an obsession with muscle. And when I found it going that way, I was like, okay, no, I got to tone this down. I don't want, this is not what I want from this. I want this to be more about building strength and like confidence in myself. And um, what I like so much about that was, I think as you get older too, you start to dig into who you really are in general. You sort of can't pretend forever. Mm-hmm. So it gets to a point where you're like, you know what? I don't want to go out and party or like, I don't want to do CrossFit anymore. or I don't really like this friendship because I don't think it's healthy for me. And being able to make those decisions, I think it's just so empowering when you can start to that, this big process of who are you, what do you need? And realizing that you already are enough as you are. Um, that was, that was huge for me. And I, I do credit the wellness industry. I think it's probably why I started the podcast and, and want to talk to people about this kind of thing who are like spreading this message. Cause I think it really helped me <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just so cool to hear what you are, are, are doing and hear the message you're sending to girls and men and culture of just like, Hey, we don't need all this noise. We just need ourselves <laughs> and to have our backs essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Yeah. Like even hearing you like share your story and how maybe your struggles weren't as long, like it didn't happen as many years as mine was, but just even knowing that it happened for you and it was kind of like a a lily pad that you hopped on reminds me of how common these struggles are. And to your point about wellness culture, I think that there are really beautiful things about it. And I also think that there are things about it, like we talked about earlier, that can be harmful. And I think something that kind of makes me a little bit different from a lot of my peers in the anti-diet space and in the recovery space is like, I'm not a hard no to wellness culture. Like I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can acknowledge the role that it played in my journey and I can acknowledge the role that it played for you in your journey. And I can also acknowledge the pain that it's causing some other people in their journey, you know? Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. The nuance, uh, and the, and it's not black and white, right. It's just a ton of shades of gray and there are definitely things, um, similar to you. You, you got really into CrossFit. You know, I got really into yoga during my recovery process and it was never about, I mean, it was probably a little bit about like wanting to not gain a bunch of weight. Cause I was eating, like there was definitely some of that going on, but it was so much like a mental release. Mm. Like it was all about my mental well-being and I was so in my head all of the time. And so yoga allowed me to get into my body and it was so therapeutic and healing. And it was a massive part of my, you know, my recovery journey took three years from like the, the day I decided I wanted to get better to the last day I threw up, you know, it took like three years and and three years for me to feel really solid in my, in myself. And, um, yoga was a huge part of that process. So I can relate to CrossFit. Um, and of course anything can be taken to an extreme, sure, including exercise. Right. But it's good to be able to check yourself like you were able to do, you know? Yeah. And like for me too, I don't think, I think my recovery is, is still ongoing 
in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. I know that like, like you said, like being able to check myself, that has, that voice has gotten stronger. Like my own voice of like, why are you doing this? Like, what's your, what's your goal here? Is this for you or is this for your body's like, if is this for what you want to look like, or is this for somebody else? And that, um, that voice they say, <laughs> and I believe the more you listen to that and really like start making those decisions that feel fully for you, um, the stronger that voice can become for people that are listening that feel inspired by your story, by my continuing story, whatever you want to call it. What are the ways that you suggest being like a first step? Like you mentioned some books that really helpful for you. I think, how do you typically approach that? Like the steps, the lily pads to healing, like what would you say for someone who's coming to you and they're like, I really, you know, want to get there? Mm. Well, I think that's step one. I think you have to get to the place where you're ready to work towards healing because a lot of us will kind of be in pseudo recovery, right? Where we're kind of straddling the lines. We're like, well, I kind of want to get better, but like we're still doing all the eating disorder behaviors or like we kind of, we kind of want to get better, but like the fear of what recovery is going to look like is so intense. We let the fear win and we stay in our disorder. So I think that you hit on something really like you hit the nail on the head is you actually have to get to the place where you're ready to choose recovery and you're ready to do what it takes. And until you're at that place, you're going to stay where you're at and it's okay. Everybody's process is different, but I think just getting to the place where you're ready to work on it is really Mm. integral. It's really important and it's necessary. And then from there, I think there's, everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different and it depends on what you're dealing with. But, um, overcoming your fears around food is kind of like an umbrella statement, right? And eating more regularly and more consistently is something that happens for most of us in recovery and and working on body image and body healing is incredibly important. And some incredible resources, books, um, Health at Every Size, incredible book, uh, mind-blowing book. Intuitive Eating uh, is another amazing one. My favorite recovery book of all time is Eating in the Light of the Moon. It's such a beautiful book and shameless plug my book, Body Wisdom. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I did know you had a book actually. I saw it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Tell us how people can find you and contact you. Um, and and I, I just downloaded your free, um, what is this? The Food and Body Confidence Guide. Let's yes. tell all that stuff because I just think you have such momentum here and I really think you have the power to help so many people. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and having this chat and for being so vulnerable and open about your journey and that you still feel like you're in the recovery process. I think that it's very brave and courageous of you to to share so openly about that. Um, I know that will be comforting to those who are in the middle of it too. And yeah, Kara's Kitchen, Kara with a C, Kitchen with a K on Instagram, Kara's Kitchen on Instagram, kitchen.net is my website. You can get that free food and body confidence guide, which is great for women who are struggling with uh, yo-yo dieting, binge eating, and body image issues. And the podcast is Love Your Bod Pod. Which is the best name ever. <laughs> <laughs> I did an Instagram poll, actually. I like I put out like five or six different titles and I was like, okay, guys, what should I call the podcast? And that was like, hands down, the runaway winner. Yeah. It's just like perfect. It's so catchy. And then I love that you're like on the pod today. It's great. On the pod. <laughs> on the pod. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I definitely, I, it just feels really good to have another podcaster on and like hear a little bit about your journey. 
um, and your story. And I knew instantly when I kind of came across that I, there would be value in kind of like digging into that. So I'm really grateful that you are so open in general, but also were so open with us on this, on this episode. Um, and I just really commend you for just being so well-spoken and you, it seems like you really choose the words that you're going to say for a reason and you just, you get it. And that is just all anyone could ask for. Um, and like the goal, I think for so many of us is to get to that kind of place. And it's just truly inspiring. And I know, like, I feel like I'm just endlessly singing your praises, but I really feel that way. Um, and I hope that you just continue to spread this good word and positivity. And I am happy that I could have you on here to spread it with my listeners too. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I'm totally blushing over here and smiling really big. I know y'all can't see me, but thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I'm so grateful for being alive in this time in the, in the history of human beings and being able to share like this and have the ability to reach people the way that I, I do and the way that you do. It's, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful for it. And, and thank you for having me on. Um, yeah. We'll have to have you on the Love Your Bod Pod in the future too. I would love Talk that. about your journey. Yeah, definitely. Hey guys, thanks for being here and being a listener and listening to me ramble on with Kara. I was really nervous to share my story, but after hearing Kara, I just felt super inspired and I knew that was the safest place to share. And I'm just really grateful that you are here and are still listening to this episode. Please check out Kara. You will not regret it. Whether or not you even have a disordered relationship with eating and food, you probably do know someone that does, and it's so important that we're all here for each other and we can support each other and just be able to allow each other to share this kind of stuff. And I'm done rambling because I just can't stop today. Thanks for being a listener. See you next time.